guys encouraged this morning? Man, come on. It is so fun uh, to be a part of the kingdom of God, amen? I mean, it's like you could try to find something more fun and more satisfying than like being plugged into the eternal purposes of God for all of history, but it's probably not going to measure up, you know what I'm saying? So um, it's really just fun to be together this morning. Hey, I just got one quick announcement before we jump in. Um, some of you guys may know that a couple of weeks from now, we are doing a men's retreat, all right? All right. So we already have a bunch of men signed up. Sorry, this is, this is not a college deal, all right? It's for, I mean, you guys are men too, all right? But um, it's for like the older men. Um, but hey, I do have an announcement. Do I have any college seniors here this morning? Men. Yeah, sorry, senior men. I got some senior men. Okay, let's go, let's go. We got a few, okay. Hey, special invitation. If you are a senior in college and you're a man, you are now cordially invited to join the older men at our men's retreat, all right? So it's going to be a blast. We just sort of said, hey, what a cool opportunity if you're a senior in college and you're about to go into this next season of life and next stage of life to rub, rub some shoulders um, with some older guys that have gone before you. So it's going to be a blast. Well, Guys, I'm really excited. I get to wrap up our series uh, this morning. We've been in a four-week series called On Mission. How many of you guys have enjoyed this series so far, and it feel like you got a little fire lit behind you? Last week, Trey Green was here. Oh, my goodness. If you missed it, you need to podcast this message because he deposited something in our church family that was so powerful and I still feel like I'm just riding that wave, all right? So I'm, whatever happens today, I think he's still going to get credit for because it was so meaningful, powerful. Please go listen to it um, if you haven't. But I'm excited to, to bring it home. As we do, I want to just start off with a, a little story. This is a true story. Um, Fifteen years ago, in 2002, a 19-year-old high school kid from Connecticut named Charlie was the 95th pick of the Major League Baseball draft by the Atlanta Braves. With a dream in his heart, Charlie would spend the next six years struggling as a pitcher in the minor leagues before finally getting a shot at the bigs in 2008. For three years, he would struggle through injury in the big leagues and have just marginal success before finally, in 2011, okay, so almost a decade later, he had a breakout season. He won 50% of his games. That's a breakout season, right? After that, his body started to crater with injury. He had a hip surgery, had a soldier surgery. For the next three years, he was on and off the, the injured reserve list and wasn't able to hardly play at all. Finally, in 2016, he returned. A long career, not very successful, lots of setbacks, and he returned in 2016. And in one of his first games back, he tore his hamstring running to first base. The guy's a pitcher, all right? I don't know what he was doing running to first base anyway. But he tore his hamstring and had to miss the rest of the season again. So just when it seemed like Charlie's career was over, after 15 years of trying and 15 years of just marginal success, it looked like his career was over. On November 16th, of 2016, so not even one year ago, Charlie was drafted by the Houston Astros. In his first season with the Astros, after 15 years in the league, he 
exploded. Had the season of his life, he won over two-thirds of the games that he pitched, including a shutout performance in Game 7 of the NLCS that sent the Astros to the World Series, all right? So, unless you live under a rock, you know that the Astros won the World Series, okay? On Wednesday night, after 15 years of persevering through countless injuries and setbacks, Charlie Morton, this kid from Connecticut, pitched in Game 7 and became a Houston hero as the Astros clinched their first world title in the history of the team. 15 years, this guy. You know what they call Charlie? They call him a journeyman. They call, they call him a journeyman because he spent years in the league traveling from this team to that, battling injury, enjoying just marginal success most of the time, but always just being faithful to the next assignment until year 15. And he's a World Series champion. Charlie Morton. Have you ever looked at a person and only seen who they are today without thinking about the process or the journey that got them there? I mean, you may have watched Game 7 and see Charlie Morton dominating the last half of that game on Wednesday night and never have known what this guy's journey has been like over the last 15 years. You see, we tend to see people in their current position and not in the past process that got them there. But if we don't look a little bit harder, we will actually miss the greatest lesson that we can learn from some of our heroes. Life is a process. Life is a journey. And it is often a very long journey that is much harder than we expected it would be. But this is hard news for us, if we're honest, because we are the Insta generation, right? I mean, guys, let's be honest. It all started with the microwave, okay? <laughs> no longer do you have to slave over your meal, right, to enjoy a feast. You could just pop that TV dinner in the microwave and three minutes later, hey, Insta feast, right there, right? We are the Insta generation, and I know that we know this, but it seems like the highest commodity in life now has become saving time by shortcutting the process. Saving time by shortcutting the process. So as, as convenient as many of our modern-day innovations are, they're actually lying to us, and they're selling us this big, fat lie that we can shortcut the process of life that we can microwave the journey of life, and hey, you can just have your dreams on a silver platter, just zap it in the microwave for one or two years, and boom, there you go. Little to no effort, just microwave that sucker. <laughs> Thankfully, I'm thankful we have the Word of God to bring us back down to earth, right, and actually show us the processes of life that God walks us through and how we become who God has called us to be. So I want you to flip with me this morning to Matthew chapter 25. We're going to camp out in the parable of the talents this morning, a story that I know many of you have heard many times before, but I believe that as we finish up this series about how to live on mission, there is a powerful, powerful revelation from us, for us from Matthew 25 about how to own 
our current assignment. So if you're taking notes this morning, you can title this Own the Mission or own my assignment. How do we own the mission and own the assignment God's been given, God has given to us right now? I think Matthew 25 is going to show us a lot about it. So we're going to start in verse 14, and I'm just going to read through this whole thing together to kick us off today. So you can follow along. Um, if you have a paper Bible, that's great. I prefer the paper version. If you got it on your phone, that's cool too. Or you can just look up here on the screen, guys. Choose your own adventure, all right? Verse 14. For it will be, the kingdom of God will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he had the two talents. He made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents here. I have made five more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward saying the same thing. I've made two talents more. The same response. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I had not sown and gathered where I scattered no seed. You ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it To him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Even what he has will be taken away. As we dig into this passage this morning, I want to highlight three main areas for you note takers. This is going to alliterate, so that'll be nice for you linear thinkers like me. I want to highlight a few things from this passage this morning, all right? The relationship in this story, the responsibility, and the reward, okay? The relationship of master to bondservant, the responsibility of being entrusted with property, and then the reward that happens because of faithfulness. So we got to dive into the relationship first, okay? So we have here a master and his servants. I want to highlight the servant. This word for servant here in Matthew 25 is doulos. The Greek word is doulos, and it's, it means somebody who is devoted to another's will to the disregard of his or her own interest. So a bond servant is somebody that completely revolves their life 
around the will of somebody else, even to the disregard of their own interests. And so as we look at this passage and we look at the relationship this morning, we need to get a doulos revelation. We need to get a bondservant revelation if we are followers of Jesus. And here's why. This word appears 30 times in the book of Matthew, just in the gospel of Matthew. This idea of bondservant to the Lord is a central component to New Testament discipleship and the revelation of Jesus. And so we have to be able to increase our revelation and this understanding of what does it mean to be a bondservant of the Lord. Now, it's interesting. The word servant in the scriptures, okay, it means a variety of things. I want to throw a few out there, okay, because I think it's going to bring some of us down to earth a little bit, um, mostly those of us that work on staff at a church. But it says, servants are those who run errands, okay, so like an errand boy, uh, an attendant, um, I'm thinking like a, like a valet, somebody who like valets cars, right? You go to the nice steakhouse or hotel, okay? An attendant, a waiter, all right? I met one of you college dudes that works at Saltgrass a couple weeks ago, right? So some of you guys are waiters and a minister. That's the same word, okay? An errand boy, an attendant, a waiter, and a minister, all right? All right? So, hey, man, wherever you are, saltgrass guy, you know, if you park cars at the new Stella Hotel or whatever, we just want you to know you should be up here preaching, right? Or I should be down there parking cars. I don't know what it is. But this idea of bondservant is, a, is, it is somebody that has positioned themselves around the interests of other people to the disregard of their own. And so... God is our master. He is our Lord, and we need this revelation. I know some of you guys, this kind of makes you squeamish, like when I talk about God as master, because you want to hear about how God is your father. You know, he just loves you, right? He just always tells you how much he loves you. He doesn't really expect that much from you. He's just, your, he's just such a good daddy, you know? But if we look at Jesus, oh, man, it crushes that idea, because think about this. Nobody had a revelation of God as Father like Jesus did, right? Nobody knew Abba, Father, as much as Jesus. And yet nobody was as submitted to him as Lord. Are you seeing what I'm saying? The, the revelation of God as Father and God as Master, if you look at Jesus, it is one thing. You see, the natural result of knowing the Father is being fully yielded to Him as Lord. I'll say it again. The natural result of knowing God as Father is being fully yielded to Him as Lord. Some of you are trying to have a relationship with your Heavenly Father without submitting to Him through obedience as your Lord. And it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. The life of Jesus shows us. We have to have this revelation of bondservants. Our lives as followers of Jesus, we are submitted to our Lord and Master. We obey when He says go, when He says say, stay, when He says stop. We obey Him as Lord. So for, for those of you that are submitting to Him as bondservants, this story is so encouraging because you can it actually goes on to tell us that his bondservants can be entrusted with great riches of the Father. If you will submit your life to your Father as your Lord, he actually can entrust you 
with the great riches of his property, which brings us to the second point here in this story, the responsibility. We've looked at the relationship with God, and now we're going to look at the responsibility. Let's look here again. A man is going on a journey. He called his bondservants and entrusted to them his property. Don't miss this. Entrusted to them his property. You, do you guys know that God thinks very highly of you, actually? Do you actually believe that? Okay, let me just sell you on it for a second. He created you, okay? He, he made you. God doesn't make junk. You know, we say that from time to time. He actually didn't just make you, but he created you in his image. He created you like him. Okay, so not only that, but if you've trusted in Jesus, the scripture says that you've been born again and that you're a new creation and that the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you. Okay, so you've been created by God in his image. In Jesus, you've been born again. You're a new creation, and you're filled with the Spirit of God. Would you say that God thinks pretty highly about your potential? I think that he does. Is it any surprise, then, that he seeks to partner with us by entrusting his property to us? I don't think that it is. I think that other than being loved by God, being trusted by God is the greatest privilege in life. Other than being loved by him, being trusted by him is a great privilege. And so in this parable, we see that when you're considering entrusting something to somebody, you really just look at two criteria, okay? You look at the value of the property, and then you look at the ability of the person that would be stewarding it. Are you with me? So let's look at the value first, okay? We got five talents, we got two talents, and we got one talent. I crunched some numbers, and I want you guys to know in modern day terms, the value of one talent was almost a million dollars. Isn't that crazy? I mean, sometimes we're like, oh man, he's just a one talent guy, or oh, I'm just a one talent gal, you know, you know, and we think that we're like less than, I'm just a one talent person, right? No way. Even the one-talent property here is a million-dollar piece of God's property. It is incredibly, incredibly valuable. I think that some of us have drastically underestimated our current lot in life, have drastically underestimated our current assignment, and we think that it's less than. And because of that, we're waiting for the day when we get promoted to some like more glorious task, right? Or we get entrusted with some more valuable piece of property. But in the meantime, every single one of us, we're sitting on something that God has entrusted to us right now. You, you're sitting on something. And so even if it's one little talent, you're sitting on a million dollar piece of God's property, and if you're just thinking that it's less than and you're looking for something else, then you're probably doing nothing to improve it. What you're sitting on right now is so valuable to God. You might be the only believer in your class. You might be the only believer in your company, on your street. Will you own it? Will you own your current assignment? Or will you neglect it as you wait for something else? Let it not be. Let it not be. It is so powerful when we realize that God is the one distributing his property, which means that whatever talent he has entrusted to you right now has so much value and purpose, so much value. 
Okay, second criteria. Remember the value of the property and then the ability of the servant. Look at verse 15 again. Okay, he says that to one he gave five talents, to another two talents, to another one talent, to each according to his what? To each according to his ability. So this little word right here in this parable, ability, for some of us is going to be really encouraging. For some of us is going to be really humbling. But for all of us, it's ultimately really freeing, okay? Let me walk through some of these, okay? Encouraging. Let's start there, okay? Some of you need, some of you are struggling to believe that you aren't good enough or gifted enough or whatever enough to handle what God has given you and to make an impact. That's a lie. That is a lie. If you are feeling inadequate to do whatever God's called you to do or whatever he's entrusted to you, whatever it may be from your degree to your job to your life group, that's a lie. Because if God's entrusted something to you, it's because he knows you have the ability to see it grow. Man, y'all are so encouraged, I can tell. If God has entrusted something to you, it's because he knows that you actually have what it takes to see it grow, to see it increase. Why? Because he thinks really highly of you. You were created in the image of God. You're made in his image. You have so much to offer to him and his kingdom. So can we stop it with this like self-degrading sort of, man, I'm so weak. I'm such a bonehead. I, you know, whatever it is, I'm so sinful. You know, I'm just never good enough. I've been there, guys. It's been the journey of my life. God trusts you. And he believes in your ability. But for some of you, this isn't the problem. Maybe that's why I didn't get a whole lot of encouragement. You know, God believes in you so much. Some of you, some of you know that God believes in you so much that you're wondering why he hasn't entrusted you with more. Amen. <laughs> that's me. <laughs> Where's my five-talent property, God? Come on, I'm waiting, you know? So if this is you, this can be really humbling. Do you know that humility, though, is just having an accurate estimation of your current ability? God does not want us to think more lowly of ourselves than we should. He does not also want us to think more highly of ourselves. Humility is having an accurate estimation of your current ability. But some of us are not lacking in the confidence department, right? And we tend to think that we can handle more than we actually can. That's why some of you were so surprised when at age 22, nobody was asking you to come lead their company or their ministry or their organization. You're like, what? Where's my, where's my big time job? You know, I crossed the stage at graduation. I'm, I'm waiting, here I am guys, here I am world. I'm ready to lead your company. Where's my CEO job, you know? And it's not there. And we're so shocked when we find that the only jobs available are low-paying entry positions for people with little or no experience or proven track record. And it's so hard for us to realize that at 22 years old, that is us, the people with little to no experience or proven track record. I, I actually love our confidence, though. Like, I love the confidence. It just needs to be tempered with a vision that it actually takes a process to build us to be who God wants us to be. It takes a process. So we, if we don't get this, we will pass through our life, and most of us through our 20s, so frustrated that we don't have our dream job yet, 
instead of thankful that the opportunity that we're having is actually positioning us for a dream job. If we'll just steward the one talent well, then we'll get two. And then we'll steward those two talents and it'll become four. And then next thing you know, it'll be eight. And then you'll be a 16 talent guy. That's like out of the scriptures, man. The highest they go here is 11, right? Because the guy with 10 gets one extra. But if you'll just steward the one that you have now, you're going to get there, you know? Guys, this was me. This was me right out of college, guys. I mean, I, when I graduated college, guys, I had been following Jesus for five whole years, okay? Four of those, check it out, I was a volunteer of a youth ministry. And yet when I graduated at 23, I thought I was ready to, like, lead the world into revival, okay? But at age 23... I still had to learn how to lead myself into revival. I'm serious. And so a decade of walking with Jesus through five other assignments, so many humbling, stretching, discouraging, learning assignments, 10 years, I found myself being invited to come on staff here at Antioch at age 33. Oh, but I was so, I thought I was so ready for it at 23. The confidence is okay, but there's a process of life that cannot be short-circuited. So the humbling reality is that whatever God has entrusted to you right now is an accurate gauge of your current ability. Now, I'm not saying that you can't handle more than what you've currently been given. You can. But what I'm saying is whatever you've currently been given is way more valuable than you think. And it is designed to help you grow if you will steward it faithfully. Which brings me to the freeing part. If you are being faithful, you are not missing out on your dreams. If you are being faithful, you are actually fulfilling them and being prepared for whatever else God might have for your future. Are you with me? Guys, check this out. God is so good, and he loves you so much. He has a hope and a future for your life, but he is so good that he knows not just where you're going, but how to get you there and what you need. The Bible says, Psalm 139, every day of your life's already been written in a book. He knows the plans he has for you, but he also knows the process that he has for you. He knows the process that he has for you, wherever you're at. Check this out from Scripture, King David He was anointed as king of Israel. Do you guys know how old he was? 15 years old when he was anointed king of Israel. Do you know how old he was when he sat on the throne finally? 33 years old. He spent almost two decades learning how to walk with God and worship God in the quiet place, learning how to steward a sheep so he could then steward a nation. 20, almost 20 years Jesus was born in a manger, celebrated as the savior of the world before he could walk, talk, or feed himself. He spent 30 years cultivating a sensitivity to the Father's voice and submitting to his will so that when he heard God tell him to sacrifice his life on the cross, he knew he wasn't going crazy. He had trained himself to hear the Father's voice. His destiny was to die, and at 33 years old, Jesus fulfilled his destiny and breathed his last breath on the cross. King David, 33 years on the th- till he sat on the throne. Jesus, 
in process until he died at age 33. Not to put this guy on the same platform, but do you want to know how old Charlie Morton was on Wednesday night? 33 years old. Guys, how's that for a mind blower? 33 years old, 15 years in the making. Isn't that crazy? But here's the crazier part. These guys had it easy. Well, not Jesus, okay. Everybody else (laughs) had it easy. Guys, Moses spent 40 years in the wilderness of Midian shepherding dumb sheep only to get a promotion to spend 40 years in the wilderness shepherding dumb people. And then he died before he even got to go into the promised land. I mean, what a ripoff, man. If you don't have a revelation about the process of life, though, I mean, you'd just be so discouraged the whole time. And Moses would be like, man, my life was pointless. What? You know? No, he was just in the process. So what's the point? Increasing your ability is a process. Becoming who God has made you to be is a process. You cannot short-circuit it. Just like becoming a mighty 100-foot-tall oak tree takes time. You can miracle grow that sucker all day long, and it's going to take 100 years to grow. It is. Are you with me, guys? So I want you to look again at five little words in verse 19. Look at verse 19. Five little words that I am certain all of us passed over. Read these first five words with me. Now, after a long time. Man, we can't microwave this, guys. We can't microwave time, can we? And so our job is to be responsible with what we've been given today. The doorway to your destiny is always faithfulness to your current assignment. The doorway to your destiny is always faithfulness to your current assignment, which leads me to the reward. Faithfulness always yields increase in the kingdom of God. Look again, we saw it in verse 20 and 21. The guy that stewarded his five talents made five talents more. He ended up with 10. And the guy that squandered his one talent, it was taken away from him and it was given to the guy with 10 talents. This is how growth, this is the growth process. Are you seeing it with me? You start with one. Do that faithfully, you get two. You do that faithfully for a couple years, you get four. Are you seeing the process? And here's the, the shocking thing is that when we try to short circuit this process in life, it always ends badly for people. I want to tell you a couple examples, but before you like laugh, I'm not telling you these so that we can like laugh at these people, okay? But just to illustrate the reality of when we try to short circuit this process, it's not good. So you guys probably remember an Aggie football quarterback named Johnny Manziel, right? The guy was handed the world on a silver platter at age 21. It was his dream. But without the character and the process to get him to a place where he could sustain it, it crushed him. It crushed him. The guy's life, I mean, I don't know him personally, but it's like from everything we can see, it's life's in shambles. You know, some of you guys remember this sweet teenage kid who became a YouTube sensation and a multi-platinum pop singer. Y'all remember Justin Bieber? Right? This kid was from an awesome family. His parents loved him, taught him about Jesus. 
He was handed a 10-talent dream, though, before he even knew how to clean his room. And it crushed him. The guy's life, from all that we can see, is a mess. I have heard, though, that God's at work in his life. I did an interview with Justin Bieber not too long, about a year ago. They asked him, hey, what's the top three tracks on your iPod? And he's a couple of rappers that I'm sure would make all of us embarrassed to listen to. And the number three on the list was No Longer Slaves by Bethel Music. Justin Bieber. Isn't that amazing? So God's at work. But so I don't tell you these guys so we can laugh at them. I'm saying when you try to shortcut this process, it doesn't go great for us. So what, what I'm trying to encourage you with, guys, do not despise the day of small beginnings. Do not despise the day of small beginnings. It is actually the grace and goodness of God to give you your dream in seed form so that you can grow as it grows. Are you seeing what I'm saying? God wants to empower you today to serve with joy in whatever season or assignment you have. He wants to empower you today. And so there's this last thing that we need to do this morning before we wrap it up. Raise your hand. Be honest. If you are currently living your dream, you are like, man, I am living my dream. I am walking in the fullness of my destiny right now this morning. Be honest. Raise your hand if that is how you feel. Okay. Praise God. I'm counting. One, two, three. Leave them up. Four, five, six, seven. Okay. Less than 10. I got my hands up. Uh, my hand up. Okay. Less than 10 of us in this room are saying we're living the dream. We're living our destiny. Let me blow your mind with a thought. Okay. If Jesus were to return by the end of this year, sometime in the next month and a half, and your current assignment from him right now would become your last assignment from him, right? If he returns. So if your current assignment from God, wherever you are right now in life, becomes your last assignment from God, do you know what that would make it right now? Your destiny. Whatever you are doing right now, is your destiny if Jesus were to come saying, hey, how'd you do with those two talents? Are you with me? So God wants to empower us to joyfully steward whatever he's given us right now. But in order to do that, guys, you kind of have to release your destiny. You kind of have to surrender your dreams. Are you, you with me? You kind of have to stop being so obsessed with where you're going so that you can embrace where you are. You kind of have to stop. I'm not, hey, have great dreams and great plans. That's awesome. But don't be so distracted by your destiny that you're like missing the $1 million piece of property you're sitting on right now. So I want you to reach under your chair, all right? There's, every, there's a card under your chair. I want every single person, there's two things you're grabbing. One white card and one little business card that's got a baptism thing on there, all right? So go ahead and wave it at me when you got it. You just need one of each. You just need one of each. There should be enough. If you don't have one, you know, nudge your neighbor and say, hey, can you grab one off the floor? There should be extras. Band, you guys can go ahead and hop on up here. <clears throat> These guys are going to start playing. And as we begin ministry time, I want you just to take the first one to two minutes 
to fill out this white card because here is what this is going to help us do. There's a verse at the top. You can read it with me if you want to. It says, the kingdom of God is what? Say it with me. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. You know that you can bring the kingdom of God into whatever assignment God has given you right now. You say, okay, what's the kingdom of God? Well, the kingdom of God is, say it with me, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So in any situation or any classroom or any job or any home or whatever you walk into, you can go, hey, how can I bring righteousness, peace, and joy into this situation? Oh, and then all of a sudden you're coming in to carry the kingdom of God with you. So these guys are going to start playing. What I'm hoping this is going to help us do is get our minds a little bit off of our destiny so we can actually embrace our reality. Get our minds a little bit off of our future so that we can steward our present. To be on mission, we have to own our current assignment. If you're daydreaming about some big thing that God wants to do 15 years down the road in your life, you're going to miss the steps today that it actually is going to take to get you there. You're going to miss the process. So just want you to take a minute, look at these questions. I want you to ask God, how can I bring your righteousness into my current assignment? How can I bring your joy? How can I bring your peace? We're going to just take about two minutes, then I'm going to come up here and we'll stand and worship at that point. So take a couple minutes just to ask the Lord these questions. section leaders, prayer team, go ahead and come up to the front. And I know this was just a start. I challenge you to finish this conversation with God. You can finish it right now if you want to, or, or you can stand. I invite you to stand as we close this morning. There is an invitation for us today to surrender our dreams so that we can embrace our present, specifically we feel like there's an invitation for repentance. There's an invitation to repent if maybe you have some bitterness in your life because you haven't been asked or invited, I don't know, by an employer, by somebody in the church. You feel like 
man, I'm just being overlooked and I'm, I'm so bitter or frustrated because they don't see you know, how, how great I am. If there's any offense in your heart, I feel like there's an invitation to come and, and repent for that today. And also, if there's comparison, if you're looking at somebody else's two-talent gig or five-talent gig and you're not looking right down at your million-dollar piece of property, there's an invitation to repent for that comparison. Say, God, envision me again for what you have given me right now. Faithfulness to your current assignment is always the doorway to your destiny, guys. Let's go ahead and respond together this morning as we close and worship together.